Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. Hey everyone, uh, I'm sorry to say, but this week will be a repeat. Um, it seems that the plague is running rampant through the Randazzo household, and they just needed a little time to recoup. But don't worry, it happens every once in a while. We will be fine, we will soldier on together, me and you podcasts. Uh, anyway, um, it seems that at some point in time this week, uh, the new cast photo for Mystery Science Theater 3000 released. So I thought in honor of that, I will be re-releasing an episode, an early episode of ours in which Chris talks about his favorite Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I am your host, Evan Goldstein. With me, as always, is the lovely Karen Randazzo. I'm an alien. And the pain in the ass, Chris Randazzo. Reynolds rap. Keeps freshness in. Can't keep Mitchell out. No truer words have ever been spoken. Uh, we talk television. Keep in mind, this podcast is spoilerific. So, if you do not want to have Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 4... Doctor Who in general, Mystery Science Theater Season 6, or the current season of Supergirl spoiled for you at all, please stop listening, go check them out, and come back to us, because we make them better. Bye. We love boomerangs. Always come back. Yeah, that's that's the point. Like, we need you to come back. Um, so, I think I'm going to start this week. I'm going to change that it up a bit. a great plan. Um, I decided that I, I was going to go way back. Gonna hop into the Wayback Machine and and do up some Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, uh, you did Happy Days before, so Buffy doesn't. Well, yeah, it's very true. Way back. <laughs> well, that was way way back. Uh, I got you. Way way back. So it's. Uh, I did want to talk about the show previously, especially around Halloween, but it, I couldn't pick like a specific Halloween episode because the show is supposed to be scary all the time. Um, so I decided to do. Uh, season four, episode ten. Hush. Um, those that are fans of Buffy, sort of all are in agreements that this is one of the better episodes of the show. Um, one of the better seasons. Yeah, the, one of the better seasons as well. Yes, but oddly enough, half of this episode is silent. There is no speaking. So maybe that's why people like it. I don't know. The way the the way the episode starts off, where. Uh, you know, in Buffy's college class and teacher calls her up, they're having some story. It's a, it's a communication discussion that they're having. She asks Buffy to lie down on the table, which I thought was a little forward. Um, and then her would be boyfriend comes in and says the best line I have ever heard romantically ever spoken. If I kiss you, the sun will go down. That's, that's, pretty big like right yeah i don't really i don't remember this yeah yeah uh it turns out that was a dream sequence though that's riley right uh yeah yeah god riley yeah well i mean yeah we can't have nice things can we no we cannot um riley's involved 
the, the <laughs> his name should just be Appendix. I'm just gonna call him Appendix from now on. <laughs> All right. Okay. Turns out she was having a, a, a dream while in class. We all go back to the real world when she wakes up. Somebody makes fun of uh, um, what's her name? The the, the friend doesn't even matter because it's the, no. <laughs> I it the the amount like I remember this show very very fondly, and I as I'm rewatching it, you know, I go wow, I real I I I I get I looked at this show through rose colored glasses, and I mean don't get me wrong, the show is entertaining but like willow was all about the the like i want to say puns and and quips when she wasn't very good at them um but that's besides the point the 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 gist of this episode is there is a group of gentlemen called the gentlemen who come into a town they steal the voices of all the people in the town and then proceed to pick seven people from that town to steal their hearts. And then they go to Ursula and give them the voices. And yes. And they get legs. <laughs> and they get real legs. <laughs> Lieutenant Diane, you've got new legs. Um, I guess, I, I mean, if you think about I it. I want to watch the shit out of that, actually. <laughs> we we a, keep a coming up with better shows that we mermaid. actually... Uh, uh, Forrest Gump crossover, uh, the the one we've all been waiting for, <laughs> the one everyone has been waiting for. Um, Buffy the little Verg Vamp Gump. No, I failed. No, yeah, you were Buffy Gump there. the Mermaid Slayer. There you go, Buffy Gump the Mermaid Slayer. See, but is she slaying mermaids? No, but well, uh, maybe she is in this mashup all thing right. we've created. She, she could be, or the Slayer Mermaid. I got you. All right. Um, where was I? Uh, the the gentleman, you know, take the people's voices so that they actually can't scream whilst being operated on whilst they're alive, which is, I thought, a, a neat little twist. Um, and I think also that people not having voices helped uh, prevent anyone from stopping the gentleman because if somebody found out what was going on, they couldn't exactly like, go tell someone and stop it. That is also true, and their, 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 the way to beat them, to to kill them, is the the scream of a woman. Um. So as as the episode progresses, we find out that each character set, you know, each couple set is having problems with communication. Um, you know, Buffy and Riley, they, they're hot. What's that? Appendix. Appendix. They're they're having they they can't tell each other their secrets because Riley's like a a military type guy and she's a vampire slayer. Um, Wait, is season four the season I'm thinking of? This I, is the season. This after... is the initiative. This is the one you hate. Oh yeah. man, I thought that was season three. Yeah, never mind. No. What I said earlier about it being one of the better seasons, yeah. I take that back entirely. This <laughs> season was a pile of steaming garbage and should be jettisoned into the sun. See, but that's not true. Except for this episode. Except for this, this episode. episode. You can hang on to this one, and everything else. Can <laughs> everything just else be has got to go straight into the sun. Um, Xander and his demon girl are having communication issues because she feels like she is unloved and that he needs to prove himself a little bit better. Uh, who else is in this episode? We have Willow trying to get 
more out of her witch group. Um, apparently, college the college that they go to is a little more open-minded, and they have a witch club. Um, the... Giles? It, like, Giles. Giles? He, uh, he... He kicks everybody out of his house so he can have a booty call. Hmm. Which he rightly deserves. I mean, I'm sure he does, but it's like I didn't see that coming. Uh, So overnight, everybody's voice gets stolen. They wake up. Of course, the shock of not being able to talk to each other and then everybody over-pronunciating everything so we can understand without subtitles what they're trying to say. Um it's it, it, it just progresses, and the reason I like this episode so much is, like, I've seen a lot of horror movies, and I've seen a lot of created villains. These guys are one of the scariest things I've ever seen on television. They have this, this skeletal-like face with this metallic grin, and I'm telling you, I watched it again today probably about an hour and a half ago, and I've seen it before many times. And there's this one scene where Giles is, if I'm not mistaken, it's his girlfriend looking out the window, and one of them just passes by the window, and it gets me every time. It's like a split second, and I go, you son of a bitch, I knew that was coming, and it still gets me. They are some creepy motherfuckers. I mean, and they, and they, they really are. They have these, these straight jacket-wearing guys with them that they're they're the the guys that hold you know the victims down as they're operated on and they're like monkeying around all over the place so as the the episode progresses buffy and what you call them appendix find out their each other's secrets uh willow finds out more about her uh, one of the girls from her witch group that she actually wants to be a witch and she you know practicing telekinesis and all of that um xander proves his love for his demon girlfriend by beating the crap out of spike because at one point in time it looks from perspective wise that spike has you know started to suck the blood of his girl but he was actually just drinking a cold cup of blood from the fridge and she just happened to be asleep on the couch oh situational comedy um so as as the 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 epic battle happens at the very end. They're in a, a clock tower of sorts, and I noticed that one of the arms on the clock face, the, the 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 big arm, the one that tells the minutes, is an actual cross. And I thought that was a little odd to be in the middle of town. But um, Buffy and Appendix are in there fighting away, and she sees the box in which the gentlemen store all of the voices in, and she, uh, Appendix. Bursts it open, everybody gets their voice back, and she proceeds to scream for what seems to be about a minute and a half without breathing. Um, the death of these characters is, it's like, it's right out of like, like a clown movie because they stand, they, they get all stiff and all of a sudden each one of their heads just bursts in this yellow goo. It's amazing. Like, it, it's stunning special effects. <laughs> it is really a sight to see. <laughs> um, all in all, one of my favorite episodes, because no matter how hard Buffy tried to be scary for me, it never did it. It never... It, I mean, it was an entertaining show, and I and I watched it for season upon season upon season, 
But it was just the, the show. This episode, at, at one point in time, throughout, it, it just gets me. It scares me at points, which is what I was looking for for the show. So, uh, as per Chris's request, uh, avoid the rest of season four, but oh, check out God. episode 10, which is called Hush. Yeah, good times. I uh, actually just recently finished watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer for the first time. It took us a good long while because we started it. We started it and then we got stuck. So we we just had to take a break in the middle of season four and life <laughs> happened for like a year and a half. Yeah, it did. Oh, I thought I thought I thought season four got so bad that you couldn't force yourself through it anymore. Well, no, we you had know a what? soldier on, <laughs> pun intended. Yeah, th- that season was bad, but what was it? Um, seven was the last season, right? It was no, yeah, seven was the last. Six, I think, was the one you hated Six the most. Six was the one that I hate more than anything on the face of the earth. Like that was just the most offensive season of television I've ever seen. Is that the one where she gets a little sister, or was she already established? Uh, she no. was already established okay. by that point, I think. Um, no, it's the one where they just made all the characters do things like they just generally wouldn't do. It was uh. the one where, where Spike got all rapey, Xander left Anya at uh, at the altar, you know, b- because of TV. Like, not because of any actual character reasons, or that they had already hashed out these problems in prior episodes. Just because we want to shock you. It was the most horribly crappy hacky tv god it was awful but uh you know show finished off pretty strong it was a good time yeah yeah i I enjoyed the show i enjoyed the show overall and um i remember watching this season and just thinking that it was dumb like it was really just it was just dumb it was adam was a dumb villain yeah it was a clunker of a season it it was but unfortunately you know hush is smack dab in the middle of that one and that is one of my favorite episodes of you know the entire show so. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't without its moments. Like, it's, you know, everything's got its moments, but uh, uh, th- th- I guess that's the kind of the connective tissue of Buffy is like, no matter how bad it gets, there's still the occasional moment, except in season six where it was just like <laughs> nothing. I, I, just, except in season six where the bright spot was once more with feeling. True. True. Yeah. So there you go. There's there's bright spots <laughs> to everything. But Hush is um, it's on pretty much everyone's top ten. Buffy episodes list for a good reason because it's amazing and I I mean the, this I like it because of the storytelling that they're able to do without any dialogue. Right, it's 20 I actually looked at the time the the episode is split in half with half of it being spoken word and the other half being completely you know dialogueless. And they did a fantastic job of conveying, you know, whatever story that they were trying to tell. Without, you know, using words, they did a really good job with it. And there was some pretty good, like, comedy with the miming. I, I, go, I, haven't I counted a while, six but... sexual references via miming. <laughs> there was one where Buffy was, like, trying to mime stabbing, but it looked like she was miming, like, Mas- jerking, him off, <laughs> jerking off or something. <laughs> How do you kill this guy? She does the universal sign for jerking off and then proceeds to take out a wooden stake out of her purse and does it again. Didn't make it any better. <laughs> yeah, there were some good laughs that came out of that. So, all right. Uh, Karen, what do you got for Yes, me? I have um, I have another show with a female hero, but uh, 
I, I got to go with Buffy on this one for uh, superiority. <laughs> nice. Strap yourselves in, folks. This is going to be pretty negative. <laughs> yeah, uh, I we talked about Supergirl uh, when the season started, and I wanted to like it, and I still want to like it. <laughs> but this week, uh, they just got to some points that really, like, there are some things, there was a lot of things that were not realistic. Some things are just, like, not realistic in a TV sense, and then other things are like, come on now. <laughs> you can do better than this. We know you can. <laughs> the, oh, the, come the re- on. <laughs> the reason this show annoys me, now, we, Chris and I talked about this. Um, this is from the same creators as, as Flash and Arrow, Greg Berlanti. Mm-hmm. So we know he can do better, because he has done better. And um, we did talk about how Arrow was kind of rough at the beginning and it took a little while to figure itself out yes but arrow was also the first of this uh the dc universe um cw era tv shows and it had time and now supergirl has competition and from those shows and it doesn't have that kind of time to figure its shit out and it really shouldn't need it because it's coming from the same guy right um, but presumably the rest of the team that is different from the Flash team and the Arrow team needs to figure something else out. Yeah, I think um, when we were talking about it earlier, I mentioned that like the first season of Arrow was very distinctly like you're watching the CW. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel like a lot of the problems of, uh, of Supergirl is that it is very clearly a CBS show. Yeah, it like, reeks it's, it's, of CBS. It does. It reeks of CBS. It's got that... that I don't know what it is. There's something about the writing and something about the overall feel of it that's just like, I don't know, you're watching CSI or something like that, or you're watching a... It, it doesn't work for me, and it reminded me of why I typically don't watch anything else on CBS, because <laughs> I don't really like a lot of their shows, and it, it's it's this kind of feeling that just... I don't really know how else to describe it. It just reeks of CBS. Well, to me, CBS equals lame, <laughs> is the best yeah. way to put it. It's, well, yeah, that that works. That, you know, yes, that is a their good shows are kind of like they appeal to the like lowest common denominator. Everybody, you know, can put on a CSI or whatever on the background. But do people really like it? Mm, I don't know. But it's you know, it's not funny. It's not very sexy. It's not exciting. It's just kind of like clunky and lame and you know i might have this on in the background but i don't know if i want to devote any more active watching time to it um oh and the dialogue is pretty bad too yeah yeah yes. there was what you pointed out that they used the the line no promises not only twice in the same episode and not like intentionally winky like one person said it to the other and then that person said it back later they're just two separate people in two separate occasions they couldn't think of another way to get across that sentiment than by using the line no promises uh, ah. lame you know and I mean it has like like the f- Kara's apartment Kara is a, Kara excuse me Kara is an assistant at a magazine and she has this beautiful amazing gorgeous loft apartment that she can just dive out the window as Supergirl okay she doesn't no nobody that has that job in real life has that apartment but that's a problem that's emblematic of tv so i'm not going to hold that one against the show but then you know there's later in the episode this so the premise of this episode part of it is that uh the boss of the magazine got a interview with supergirl and published it and made this big piece in their magazine about 
like just kind of ripping Supergirl apart and uh, not very favorable. And as they're like getting ready to put this article to print, Kara has gotten to proofread it and she comes back into her boss and she gives her a whole like ration of shit about like, I don't think you should write this and uh, I don't think this is what she was trying to say and I think she was trying to say this and that and that's all fine. But there's no way that the character, the boss that they have set up, would have listened to any of that. <laughs> yeah, no, Allie McBotox would have kicked her right the hell out of her Right office. the hell out of the office. Like, like that was without just... A, yeah, without a second thought. And she sat down on the couch opposite her boss and, like, had a conversation. I'm like, what is happening right now? This is impossible. And, like, not only that, but she has done it before in yeah. this show. Well, they're, yeah. they're doing a visual action of trying to get what's-her-name to be softer. You know, Botoxy. They, I, I just like I explained earlier. I watched an episode today, the the newest one, and I was because I didn't watch this one. I was stunned to see some sort of interaction between the two of them. Going, I, did I miss something? Did all of, like did she get zapped with some sort of nice ray, and all of a sudden she's a nicer person? No, we yeah. That apparently that happened off camera between episodes. Uh, okay, good to know. Yeah. Well, no, I think. Because uh, the episode you watched, Evan, happened after this one that I'm talking about. And in the end of this episode, Supergirl comes in and saves the magazine and saves her boss and saves everybody at the party. So I think that gives Cat uh, is her name, uh, or Allie McBotox, if you prefer, <laughs> uh, a reason to kind of be nicer to Supergirl and give but, her... Okay, but what about... She's the- being nicer to Kara, and she doesn't know that Kara is Supergirl, right? Is that what you're saying, Evan? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Okay. That's my that's my point. Like, she has been a horrible, horrible person to 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 Kara the entire time, and now all of a sudden she's just being nicer. I don't I I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe she realized that Kara was right about Supergirl, and so she's given her a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. But I'm I don't know. I'm not gonna I'm not trying to make excuses for this show right now because it pissed me off. <laughs> I'm gonna chalk it up to shitty writing. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Shitty writing like. Um, so and the other half of this episode is that there was a big uh, villain called Reactron. Oh, bad yeah, I, name! I, I looked at the I, as I'm looking up the IMDb description. I'm like Reactron. Yeah, really? they, claimed it, they claimed it was a Superman villain. I don't know comics, so maybe it is. I've never, never heard of him, but at least they I, were clever enough to make a joke out of the fact that it was a terrible name. Yeah, I think they probably should have just called it Made Up a Tron. I don't know. Um. <laughs> But this is a guy they claim faced off against Superman and several times and Superman could never beat him, which really? Superman could never beat him? Then it better be fucking, what's his face, Thanos? <laughs> that, that's, like, that's, that's, the kill- that's the level of villain that Superman can't beat. Not this fucking guy who turns out to be um, a scientist at a nuclear place that, uh, you know, the reactor went critical and he should have died, but instead he got a bunch of radiation and got super strong and was able to throw like uh, nuclear energy but nobody could figure this out yeah nobody (laughs) could figure out who he was or how to beat him which turns out how you beat him is you contain his like uh, reactor core in lead which yeah that's pretty much how you beat anything with radiation is wrapped in lead so why like superman couldn't figure out any of this shit is just beyond me it's i didn't buy it for a second and then, uh, and then, and at, through this whole thing, she's like, I'm going to do it on my own. I don't want any help from my cousin. 
if they call him my cousin one more time, I swear I'm going to put my fist through something. But yeah, she wants to do it on herself and not depend on Superman and be her own hero and all this stuff. And that is the point that pissed me off the most. He's your family, and yeah. he's been here longer than you have, and he's learned a lot about being a superhero on Earth. Not only why are you trying to keep him away, but why isn't he coming to National City to help you out in the beginning of your superhero career? Because he sent Jimmy. Well, that's bullshit. (laughs) I want to see Superman, not the whole, he doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be the Superman and Supergirl show. Like, I'm not asking for that. Why doesn't Superman show up on one episode, hire somebody famous, do a one episode guest star role? Of Superman and have him like show her the ropes because honestly what the hell is Jimmy going to teach her like he doesn't know how to fly he doesn't know how to use all I his mean, powers she is figuring out her freeze breath causes like major problems because she can't figure out her freeze breath and her freaking cousin knows how to use it and is pretty much the only person in the universe that could teach her how to do it and he's like nah she'll figure this shit out herself no worries I'm busy I think the only thing Jimmy Olsen could teach her is how to be smolderingly handsome. Mm. And dress well. He is a snappy dresser, that Jimmy Olsen. So James Olsen. Because he's bald and black, that means he's James Olsen. Well, the only reason that James was sent to the show was just for sheer love triangle. That's it. Which Which is so much fun, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, we've never seen that one before. And and as for the uh, third leg of that Love triangle. I don't even know that guy's name. I think it's Win. It might be Win. I don't know. But when you're t- compare the three shows, you've got Arrow, you've got the super nerd Felicity Smoke, you've got Flash, you've got the super nerd Cisco Ramon. Then you've got this fucking guy hmm. who's nope. like so far like what has he done? He's, he took a, a spare office on the twelfth floor and set up like a big techie lair, and you know he scans he helped, the he helped her police frequencies with the costume. Yeah, he did, and he he figured out that a reactron was um, douche nuts McGillicuddy from the uh, the nuclear power plant. So he's totally pulling his own weight. Yeah, like, even leave the superhero assisting skills aside, he's just lame. Like, he's got no personality. He's just a kind of a wet dish rag, and I don't give a shit. I don't, like, see the two of them together ever. No way. Nope. There's we have no chemistry. No. No. And then just to piss me off a little more at the end of the episode, you get to see on Kara's computer at work, at work, a little instant message conversation between Kara and Clark where they have a little typing back and forth. Hey, way to go. You beat that guy. Oh, thanks a lot. I couldn't have done it without you. (laughs) It actually says Clark (laughs) because they're both in their secret identity mode at that point, I guess. You know, they they have a little cutesy conversation back and forth about, you know, you figured it out on your own and you're going to be okay and whatever, all this stuff. You're having this conversation over digital airwaves, like, on an electronic form of communication that couldn't possibly be hacked into or, it's like, It's in a media you know, hub, isn't it? Like, the, like, there, that- like, there's so many problems with this. You bo- you're the two biggest superheroes, supposedly, on the Earth, and you have secret identities, and you're using, like, a common... <laughs> 
totally vulnerable form of communication. And even possibly being monitored because you work for a news organization. You work for a newspaper. You know? I mean, even if you're not a superhero, you don't want to use your work computer to do shit like that because HR is monitoring stuff, you know? Like... Um, Kara, we saw that you were contacting a Superman (laughs) when you were supposed to be getting cat her coffee. (laughs) I don't know. See, I that was the thing that that kind of irked me a bit afterwards because I remember watching it and I really liked that conversation between the two of them. I was like, oh, that's that's a cute conversation. It's just it was such a shame that it was happening under such really stupid circumstances because. (laughs) It was a cute conversation to have, like, between Superman and, and Supergirl. But, like, the words were nice. But, just, you know, we were just... It was just, like, delicious slice of ham and a turd sandwich. It's like, not really worth the effort. <laughs> you've got uh, all these, like, you've got this, you know, organization, the DEO or whatever. You've got two people who are from another planet. You're on a show where you could pretty much make up whatever the hell you want. And you don't make up some sort of like in- encrypted form of communication, so you and your super cousin can talk. Have nerd guy whip it up, you know? Like seriously? Oh, no, <laughs> no, we're just gonna hop on IM, and everything is gonna be fine. Just gonna log on to our AOL accounts. <laughs> yes, I was gonna go. That's MySpace. how old we are. <laughs> well, there you go. The old, that's that's how they're keeping it covert because nobody uses Nobody's AOL on as for Messenger. MySpace. They're literally Brilliant. the only two left doing it. So yeah, nobody's monitoring that shit. <laughs> I guess I didn't think AOL of that because they didn't play uptick. the um, they didn't play the little like the dial up sound. Oh yeah, <laughs> beep, beep, yeah, that one. Got it exactly. So yeah, Supergirl, get your shit together because this is ridiculous. Get a cell phone. I'm sure you have his phone number. Yeah. Just. Text Just him. by comparison, I'm reading uh, the last book of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series, and that's not even, there's no, like, superheroes or anything going on with that, and the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo wants to call her friend, so she makes him go buy a special phone that can't be hacked, and then get a special app that can't be hacked on top of that, just so they can talk, and like, you can't come up with this on the show? Really? No, it's already been done. They don't want to re- rehash anything from the girl with the dragon tattoo. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so speaking of ridiculous, honey. <laughs> well, Karen, just think to yourself, it's just a show. I should really just relax. I should really just relax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, well, Chris, Yo. give us some love. Give us some mystery love. All right. Uh, I'm go- <laughs> I don't like the sound Whoa. of that. That's, I specifically thought about that phrase the entire time we were talking about Supergirl. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I've, I've got nothing but great things to say about what I'm going to talk about. Um, well, first off, let me uh, just say that the Mystery Science Theater 3000 Kickstarter has been a success. Whoa. They have officially reached their Kickstarter goal, so there will be, at the very least, three new episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, the host will be Jonah Ray. Yay! I like and, Jonah. And uh, they haven't yeah, I'm stoked. I'm I'm really stoked about it. I'm very. very How do you happy feel about them recasting the voices for, you know, the 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 the, the puppets? Bots? Yeah, the bots. I mean, I am. I'm kind of like you know back and forth on it because I love, I love Trace and uh, Kevin Murphy, but they were my first voices. Right. They were the the pair that I first heard. But when the show started, Crow was Trace, but Servo was J. Elvis Weinstein. 
Okay. And then Jay Elvis left, and then uh, Kevin Murphy took over for some Tom Servo until the end of the series. But then when it left uh, Comedy Central and went to Sci-Fi Channel, Bill Corbett took over for Trace Ballou as Crow. So both of the robots have had their voices changed once before, just like the host has changed once before. This is just the first time that it's all happening at the same time. I, so, I, I, I'm, a, I'm okay with the human host changing. I just have this weird thing about voice actors. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to hear the same, you know, Tom voice. I I definitely want to hear the same Tom voice, but at the same time, like I said, they've, they've done it before. Um, so there's not really any real reason that they can't do it again. And I understand Joel's perspective that he wants to have you know, all fresh blood on, on the show as far as like the main cast. So <laughs> did you read, it. did you read that? I mean, of course you read the article that he posted about like the top asked questions, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and, and one of them was like, well, we, they really didn't get paid like they should. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a big thing that goes way back on that show. And that's why uh, Rift Tracks is releasing new episodes, not new episodes. Like they're putting episodes of mystery science theater 3000 available for purchase on rifttracks.com. Uh, so that all the parties involved will get paid for them. Right. Um, you know, is what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that, that at the very least, there will be some new Mystery Science Theater, that this has been at least some level of success. I'm, I'm really happy about it. Not to uh, jump ahead to our main topic, but the, with the vo- changing of the voices, it's kind of like, you know, those were your bots. Like, it's ki- akin to you have your doctor. Mm-hmm. Whenever you jumped into Doctor Who, that's your doctor. And maybe you don't like any other doctor as much, but all the other doctors are just as good. And I'm sure the other bot voices will right. be just as good. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In the in their own way, most most definitely. Um uh, yeah, I think Joel actually said in, in an interview, he met, I think he likened it to Doctor Who. I think that was him. Uh, and also, oh. um, what's it, uh, Saturday Night Live, something like that. Like, it just, just something with a rotating cast was his original concept, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's I don't know, it's neat. I, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be weary because I am, I am a curmudgeon and I'm set in my ways as far as like, I want it to be Joel and, and the bots and I want the bots to be Kevin Murphy and Trace Ballou. But you know, these guys could totally surprise me and make me super happy. So I'm sure we'll you see. will be no matter what if you're getting to see more yeah, mystery size theater yeah. on TV. So I certainly will. I am, I am jazzed about it, but I'm going to talk about my very favorite episode of mystery science theater 3000. Um, Mitchell, Starring the uh, starring the ever huggable Jodon Baker, um, <laughs> this episode is special for a couple of reasons. Um, it's one of their absolute funniest episodes. Uh, it's also Mike's first episode and Joel's last episode. So this was one of those episodes of the show that really kind of had a, a bit of a running narrative to it, as opposed to being a just a bizarre one-off like the series is. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that to sound disparaging. Like it's one of the cool things about the show is that. narrative wasn't really its strong suit because it didn't need a narrative it was like the entire narrative was like dudes stuck on a spaceship mad scientists having there and forcing to watch shitty movies um so this one opens up with uh joel building a toothpick sculpture of uh the, the the building on the back of the nickel and um servo and crow show up and uh they're like well you know we're gonna have to break this because it's what we do and joel's just like yeah well i mean that's why i built it so you can break it 
and they're both very disappointed because you know it takes all the fun out of it when they're allowed to break things <laughs> uh, and just there's a little throwaway joke in the beginning that always just makes me smile because it doesn't make any sense they're asking like wow where'd you get all the toothpicks and Joel's response is are you kidding we're on a spaceship this place is crawling with toothpicks <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense I love it and it just it just goes by like just just like that um so they break the 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 toothpick sculpture and have a good time and then like the episode starts going through its usual progress the mads call and um it, this time it's a it's tv's frank just kind of lounging eating some donuts and he's like look we're we're super busy we're being audited uh we don't even have time for invention exchange this week what do you got and so joel shows off his invention exchange which is a doctari stool which doesn't make any sense to me because i've never seen the 1966 tv show doctari that this is based on okay but uh from my research it was a show about doctors protecting animals from poachers and so this stool appears to be made out of one of the animals <laughs> from that show because it's zebra striped. <laughs> oh, but it, God. it just goes by like that. It's like the entire exchange is, it's a Doctari stool. Get it? What do you think? Uh, what? Uh. <laughs> Who knows what Doctari is? <laughs> anyway, so the mad scientists in Deep, Deep 13 are being uh, audited by the, um, the Fraternal Order of Mad Science, uh, one of those <laughs> are you really mad enough things. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so they hired a temp to clean up their mess uh, because, the, you know, Deep 13 is just an absolute mess. And that temp, temp just happens to be Mike Nelson. Mm. Uh, so he notices that uh, that he's like, you know, talking to Frank about different things like his spare head uh, that he finds in a box. And he's just filing under Frank's old head. Jeez. <laughs> uh, you know, he complains about being off his game because he's not used to wearing leg iron because they chained him up with leg iron when uh, when he's working there, which is fun because he can carry the leg iron around with him. So it's like not really doing much, but he notices that Joel and the bots are up in space and he's like, what's the deal with this guy and these cute robots? And um, uh, Frank gloriously says, listen, Mr. $4.25 an hour, you stick with the boxes and I'll handle the experiment. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, Frank Conniff's delivery was just, is just phenomenal. I love that guy. Um, so as the episode goes on, uh, the, as, as far as the actual mystery science theater part of it, um, the uh, gypsy, while you know Joel and the bots are off doing one thing or another, overhears the two of them talking about uh, firing Mike because he's a temp. But she comes into the conversation only hearing that they're talking about eliminating a bejumpsuited fool. <laughs> and so she thinks they're going to kill Joel. So she winds up teaming up with Mike to try to get Joel off the, off the satellite of love. Um, and eventually is successful by uh, like Joel, not Joel, uh, Mike. He's like going through like this the ship's manifest down in Deep Thirteen, and he uh, he finds that there was an escape pod hidden in a box of hamdingers, uh, and of course nobody would find it because nobody likes hamdingers. I don't know what a hamdinger is, but <laughs> but it's a funny word. But it's a funny word. Uh, and there's another great exchange because um they need a he just needs Frank's keys in order to access the uh, remote access of the the escape pod. So he just looks over to Frank and says, hey, can I borrow your keys? And so he tosses him his keys, and and that's that. (laughs) And Frank, being the dim-witted, wonderful man that he is, walks in and says, hey, what did you need my keys for? He's like, oh, I thought you left your lights on. It's like, hey, I don't have a car. What did you give me your keys for? Uh I don't know. I thought I left my lights on. (laughs) He just walks away all sad. Oh, it's great. 
Uh, and so Joel uh, jumps in the uh, the escape pod and and escapes the satellite of love and lands safely in the Australian outback. Unfortunately, not on top of Yahoo Serious. Um, but it, it's it's great as he's leaving. They um they, he opens up the, uh, the the hex field, which is this little window thing in the background, which is of of the satellite of love set, which is clearly there's no like screen there it's not like they're superimposing it's just more of the set behind it <laughs> and joel's just like sitting there as if it's supposed to be in another place displaying on a screen and then his quote-unquote signal starts breaking up and they're just throwing white confetti across <laughs> <laughs> and you see it landing inside the satellite of love it's that's just those... like that kind of production value is one of the things that makes this show so great it's it, just yeah. like it's just kids making up a show hey kids let's put on a show like it's so and, endearing except somehow got on TV. <laughs> yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And he leaves a quote from Circus of Dr. Lou and uh, everyone's confused. And then, um, you know, Frank has to break the news to Dr. Forrester that he let Joel escape from the satellite of love. And uh, they're all yelling like, oh, what are we going to do? Who are we going to get to run the experiments? And then Mike comes up and asks uh, if they would sign his time card. And they both have the idea to shoot Mike into space. And that's how Mike takes over on uh, Mystery Science Theater. Did he, did he get Yay. paid? I no oh, no I don't think so. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm pretty sure they uh, as as according to the um uh, see, uh the opening credits in the following episode they bonked him on the noggin and they shot him in the space. <laughs> and that was that. So the movie um <laughs> oh the movie. Oh the movie. Del- delicious delicious movie. <laughs> yes. So Mitchell starring Jodan Baker is a um was is it like a, a 70s cop action movie mm-hmm. but like in the absolute worst way imaginable so it's it, jodan baker stars as the titular character mitchell who is a um drunk womanizer uh ugly as the day is long um really really unappealing person and um he goes to a, he's like on a ride along he's just he's like passed out in the back of a police car no explanation for this he's just like these cops are driving around, and he's just, like, drunk and passed out in the backseat. No idea what's going on. Uh, John Saxon and uh, some other idiots come home with, like, a bunch of, like, drunk girls. And they come home to John Saxon's house and find that it's being robbed. <laughs> and uh, so instead of, like, calling the police or whatever, John Saxon gets all, like, I'm going to get my gun and I'm going to murder this this robber because of bloodlust and reasons. <laughs> and so he kills the guy. And um, then calls the cops and frames him with one of his many guns and saying, oh, he pulled this gun on me. Now, Jodan Baker, uh, Mitchell, being the super cop that he is, he looks at the crime scene and he's like, oh, the, this guy, this is there's clearly foul play here. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he, he looks at everyone and talks to everyone and then it jump cuts to him at the uh, the police precinct and his like angry boss having like. You know that scene that they make fun of in cop th- cop <laughs> comedies all the time. They're like, "Oh, you're gonna make me mad, Mitchell. You're you're a loose cannon, Mitchell." <laughs> like they're having that conversation, <laughs> and it's so ridiculous because he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get this guy." I think John Saxon's name was Deanie in the movie or something. I don't know. The names are all ridiculous. Like it turns out he's involved with this other thing with Merlin Olson, who is a, a, a bring in heroin. And so, like, you got this weird plot that splits halfway, and there's mob ties with these guys, Mistretta and Galano, and you never really meet any of those characters. I think Mistretta or Galano shows up at one point, but they make this great ongoing joke throughout the episode 
for every time somebody's on the phone, like talking to either Mistretta or Galano about Mistretta or Galano, and then that was Mistretta, or maybe it was Galano. Who knows? It just goes back and forth. This movie's so freaking stupid. It's unbelievable that something like this got made. Linda Evans is in it, like, mm-hmm. and she's like, she's just in this movie, and she's kind of a name, like, and I guess Jodan Baker was kind of a name. He he got a TV show after that for Christ's sake, and I shied, and he was in Walking Tall, and. I, I don't understand the draw of him. He is he is horrible. <laughs> He's just an absolutely awful creature. Just ugh, gross. And the movie just keeps going on and on and it never makes him likable like at all. Never shows him in some sort of positive light. Like I, it's it's almost like it's trying to show the fact that he's a lazy drunken slob as endearing like oh this is this is why guys like Mitchell. But uh no, no, it's it's why everyone hates Mitchell because he's he's awful. And there's even th- there's like this Randy Newman style theme song about him. Oh my which is god, so- I forgot all about that <laughs> song. This this is unbelievable. Like I've watched this episode a million times, but like I, every now and then I really try to stop and listen to the lyrics of this song and it's it's just this guy singing this really like old how do i even describe it like a like, like the kind of music you'd hear on a dude ranch or something but he's singing about mitchell he's like a my 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 mitchell and it's what is happening and the first time you hear this song this like like clip clop uh, happy day at the dude ranch song is during a sex scene between joe don baker and linda evans where he reaches while in the act reaches like for a beer can with his toes grabs like the 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 circle thing that kills dolphins you know like he just grabs that with his toes and then cracks the beer oh god it's repugnant it is so incredibly repulsive and like they're you know joel and the bots are just screaming covering their eyes the whole time like why would anyone want to do this with mitchell uh but probably the highlight the 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 highest highlight i mean besides like the 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 chase scene uh, the the car chase that's as fast as like it's going like 25 miles an hour and there's a guy who's downshifting an automatic um oh, there's so many great scenes in this probably the highlight is this completely inexplicable scene where so Mitchell's staking out Merlin Olson's house right cuz he's he knows he's up to something with heroin for some reason and he's he's parked outside and this kid on a skateboard just rolls up to him and the two of them have like this this who's on first style conversation that makes no sense, is related to nothing else in the movie, and just results in Mitchell getting angry and the kid skating away on a skateboard. But I've never seen like the, the Joel uh, or the bots lose it as hard as they did during this scene because it's the most infuriating thing to watch. They're just they're just copying each other over. It's like watching two two year olds argue. It's ridiculous. <laughs> this episode is phenomenal. This show is phenomenal. Um, but this was this was really one of those things where like like sometimes. You know, the, watching the movies is always funny to a certain extent. The the in between segments, the host segments, especially like when you got later with like Brain Guy and Bobo and uh, and Pearl, they weren't always funny. Like sometimes they were just uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. the, the movie watching is always good. This is one of those those episodes, and really from this time was when I feel like MST was the best. And this was just, every note hits it in and out of the movie theater, just knocks it out of the park. This episode is phenomenal. I want to I want to read the IMDb plot summary for Mitchell 1975. 
Ooh, please do. <clears throat> it's it's very short. I think it's actually one sentence. Jodan Baker is Mitchell, a hard-nosed, soft-bellied cop with a, with an affinity for porn and schlitz. Oh, excuse me, it's two sentences. His latest assignment has him engaging in no-speed car chases, yelling at children, shooting innocents, and sloppily carousing with Linda Evans. <laughs> <laughs> oh god so there's a scene where he's spying on merlin olsen and there's a guy standing outside of his car next to him they have a brief conversation about like what time it is and minding their own business and then the guy starts running away and mitchell shoots him <laughs> just wow <laughs> <laughs> just shoots him down. No negative repercussions for this. Just shoots the guy right there. It's fantastic. I, fantastic. I do like the no speed car chases. I it just yeah. that phrase just makes me I laugh. I believe uh, Crow T Robot <laughs> said of it, "This makes driving Miss Daisy look like bullet." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then jokes all the bo- all the like all the jokes from the. From Joel and the bots in this are great oh, yeah. too. There's uh, there's hot a- merging action. <laughs> they, they at one point in the movie they throw a guy in the water and Tom Servo goes so long, chum. Oh yeah, chum. <laughs> it's like the very end of the episode too. Like so, the first time I saw this, all right. So my my history with this episode goes, um, Doom for PC. Uh, I had no idea what Mystery Science Theater was, but I got a mod kit for Doom, and one of them was MST Doom, and it had a bunch of, like, just phrases for Mystery Science Theater playing over the sound effects in Doom, and one of those sound effects was Mitchell, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) A friend of mine uh, in high school had a tape of Mystery Science Theater episodes after I discovered what it was, and had the end of Mitchell on it, and... God, it's it was just so freaking funny. So the first part I saw was the very end of Mitchell, and like there's this scene where he's you know, going through his apartment trying to find out if anyone else is there, and he like he kicks open a door of his closet and and turns on the lights, and they go surprise, happy birthday to you. <laughs> <laughs> he goes around the corner of the kitchen like, all right, kitchen freeze. It's fantastic. Just their their timing was spotless. This is really one of their best. It is laugh out loud funny all the way through, and if you've never seen Mystery Science Theater before, there's a handful of episodes that would be good starting points. But really, this is this is the best. This is, in, in my opinion, it doesn't get much more tight and flawless than this. And it it, it obviously helps that a crappy Joe Don Baker movie was just so easy to poke fun of. But it's just it's phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal stuff. Oh, that's re- that's such a relief. That all that negativity from the first two parts, and now. <laughs> A good hearty laughter. I love it. All right. um, We're going to take a quick break. Please listen to our sponsors. And when we get back, we'll be talking uh, Doctor Who. Stay tuned. Chris has let his Pokemoning slide. His Zubats are atrophied. His Wartle is bored. His Game Boy is covered in dust. What has gone wrong? Will he ever find out what Team Rocket is up to? Will he have to start all over again following the latest Nintendo news? Get the answers to all of these burning questions and more in Pokemon Propitiation, Day 398. 
The Flash TV show has finally given us our first proper look at this season's big bad, Zoom. What other secrets did this episode hold, and where can we expect things to go from here? Don't miss Tony of Comic Book Fans United telling it like it is in Flashbacks. Enter Zoom. Professional wrestling and video games go together like burly men and leotards. But of all the great wrestling games that have been made over the years, only one features a mysterious Mexican in a skin-tight pink suit with a star on his face, a green man who eats people's heads, and a pale blonde man who boasts about how slender he is. So why hasn't Nintendo given us the chance to play with these colorful characters on our modern TVs? Don't miss the latest Lost in Time entry, Pro Wrestling. A winner is you! Also, tacos. Fuck yeah, tacos. <laughs> The final Hunger Games movie is about to hit theaters, but this franchise has been criticized by more than a few for being derivative. But really, how derivative is it? Aaron Abamondi has written a very thoughtful piece that dives into the history of kids being pitted against one another for sport. Don't miss a history of grisly tradition, located in the think tank. You can catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more, right now at geekade.com. And we're back. Thank you for listening. Um, Abamondi, for all of those that were actually paying attention. Well done. I know, right? I got that. You I, nailed it. I got it nailed down it. pat now. Um, so our main topic this week is Doctor Who. And conveniently Ooh. enough, we have a Doctor Who aficionado on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just a little bit of a Whovian. <laughs> just a little bit? Just a little bit. Only since... 19. You, mm-hmm. you you know the other doctors. Like the one with the, the, with the, 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 the scarf thing. And the, yeah. So um, I made the trek of trying to catch up. I have seen a, I'm going to, what, from the 2005 series? Is that what that is? Mm-hmm. That's what this is? Yeah, that's, that's technically known as new series. I have seen if just about all of the new series. Um we do we want to specifically talk about this season, or do, or do you do you want to shine and and explain to us the, the past briefly? I think, yeah, I think we want to talk this season. <laughs> yeah, I think people, if they're listening, they know Doctor Who, and if they don't, they should. They should go and check it out. And if you like this show and you like the things we talk about, you're gonna like Doctor Who. And I don't know why you haven't watched it already, but very true. Go back and start at the beginning. <laughs> all the way at the beginning 19 whaty what what <laughs> no 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 i mean start back at the beginning of new series uh classic series is not for everybody it has a special place in my heart but it's it's a product of its time <laughs> well said um all right so as it was explained to me when i had to catch up for season nine just about the whole season is two-parters, which I really liked. I really enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. You did not? The here Here's how the season was presented to me before I got to see it, was that they released all the episode titles. And so uh, the first eight episodes, well, kind of all 12 episodes, really, each pair of episodes consecutively, their names were related. Mm-hmm. And then when the showrunner, Stephen Moffat, actually, he's not the showrunner, but he is the executive producer. When he was asked, so are these two-parters? Are some of them two-parters? Are none of them two-parters? He said, 
I want you to be able to watch these and never be able to tell whether or not it's a two-parter okay. until we actually get to the end and it says to be continued or not. Failure. <laughs> well, bum, if bum, that's bum, what bum. you want, then you have to make some of them not two-parters. <laughs> Otherwise, I get to the end of part one and I just want to punch you. Uh, because you, they're all two-parters. You, 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 did you watch them like... Real time, like you didn't. We binge. did watch them oh, real time. No, we we are too uh, oh, too got, loyal of fans. Oh, we gotta get it in us as soon as we can. That's that. I, all right, I can understand that being a problem for you. I got to binge watch it, so I really didn't have to wait for anything. Um, highlights. I, I'm just gonna glaze over some some highlights. Uh, the bootstrap paradox. Him yes. actually bringing that up in the. Under the lake before the flood, two parter, mm-hmm. and he looked because he, he's doing a looking at the camera talking to me right. bit, and he said Google it, and I stopped and I Googled it, and I was like, this is ingenious. <laughs> and it's and it's like okay, if you've read anything I've written about Doctor Who on GeekAid.com this season, you're gonna you might be a little bored because you've heard me say this stuff before, but. It, that's not any kind of new concept that we've never... I mean, we've seen it in Back to the Future when Marty goes back and affects his future by t- doing things in the past. But this is, uh, you know, Doctor Who's take on it, and it was really cool. <laughs> the whole Beethoven, and at the very end, referencing it again. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you're so smart, Doctor. That's why they are a doctor. That's, that's why he's the doctor. Nobody um, else could be the doctor. So, okay, the, the first set was the uprising of the, the Daleks again. Mm-hmm. I thought he, you know, didn't he kill them all? They always find a way to bring them back. Uh, they, but there's a lot of them, each and every time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, the creator of the Daleks, the Daleks, Daleks, how do you say, Dalek? Dalek? Daleks. I've always said Dalek. Okay. Yes. The creator. Right. The Daleks. That's, Yes. Uh, apparently, the doctor <laughs> fucked over the the creator of the Daleks. <laughs> Is that at, at the very beginning of the episode with the kid with the hand mines? That was the same well, kid. I mean, he, he it bounced. was the same kid. <laughs> he left, but then he came back. He it seemed to me in that instance like he didn't know quite what to do. Because, you know, he did. He already, at that time, he knew that that kid grew up to be Davros. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting to see, like, the doctor at the later point in his life encountered Davros at a very much earlier point in his life where he didn't know what he was going to become, but the doctor did. Right. Right. It's kind of like, you know, what about Hitler? Like, you know, would you, if you went back in time, would you kill Hitler as a baby or kill Hitler's mom before she had Hitler? Like, this is that version of, their Mm -hmm. version of it. Well, and they've led us very much to believe that, yeah, he would. He bounced. Mm-hmm. And then that ended horribly for him because of the whole uh, capturing. and Back to save him, though, didn't it? At the very he end did. of the second part. Mm-hmm. But, see, like now, that's the whole time fuck-up continuum thingy. If he went back to save him, why was he so pissed off? 
Because he's Davros and he's evil. Okay, that's the, that's the explanation. Yeah, Davros is just a dick. Okay. Yeah, he was always going to be evil, but the fact that the doctor went back and saved him gave him that little bit of mercy that ended up into the Daleks, which really, that's how, if you're the doctor, you fuck up Davros, is you, like, takes, if you, you find a way to make the thing that he created to be the most evil and hatred-filled thing on the world and put something good into it, like... That that's a win for the doctor. Just like a skosh of good. Just yeah, a, a, a exactly. Smidgen. <laughs> and he knew that was all he was ever going to be able to manage with that kind of creature. But it, it's enough. Um, I don't remember when Missy first showed up. Oh my god, I love Missy. She so is like what? She is the she's like amazing. <laughs> Michelle Gomez is outstanding. I mean, the master is always a good time, but this interpretation yeah. is just. Is just delightful. I it, it, the fact that every time they say she's she's a time lord and she goes time lady, mm-hmm. <laughs> I paid a lot for this form. She actually yeah. said that once. <laughs> uh, at the you know the beginning of, of the the first two, Clara and and Missy sort of team up to save the Doctor, and in turn, it seems that Missy is going to you know. Uh, Get Clara killed by the doctor, which I don't understand how Missy thinks that's going to work out because the doctor wouldn't do that. Wouldn't shoot a doubt, uh, you know, any, wouldn't kill anything point blank. If it's in, you know, some sort of situational thing and everybody happens to die, okay, so be it. But I don't think he would cold bloodedly do that. No, he wouldn't. But if I don't know if you've been paying attention to Missy at all, she got fucked up in the head. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She crazy. <laughs> yeah, That's why she she's thought it would super work. Smart though. <laughs> she's she's super super. So she's a genius, but she's bananas. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like you, you had the first one that was like this super awesome Dalek thing, and then you had the this the second. What was the second set of two parters? The second um, set of two parts. Was it the Viking? It was with, um, what's her name? Oh, that was the Maisie Williams ones. Yeah. from That one was like, I mean, my, my biggest gripe, I think, was the same with Karen on that one, is that those two, those two both should have existed, but they should have not played them back to back. Like, I think the second episode of Maisie Williams would have been more impactful, like, a few Later in the down season. Down the road. I'll, I'll agree with but, that. But, however, I have to say now that I've seen the previously, or not the previously, the coming attractions for episode 10 that she uh, is going to be in again, I guess yeah. I can kind of see why they crammed her together twice early in the season. I still say if, you know, the first one she was in was three, and then they put the two, like, flood episodes, and then her second episode, and then the third one she's in is ten. Mm-hmm. That would that would have just flowed better for me. Yeah. I got you. The, 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 the set of flood ones were tied in together very nicely. Yeah. Um, the girl who died and the woman who lived... Outside of it being the same characters, not one. Yeah, yeah really had nothing really, to do with the other. Related, exactly, yeah. they so weren't they really sh- to be continued. So why were they like to be continued and back to back like that? Well, yeah, it was silly. Doctor Who, uh, and then the third set was the Zygon invasion. That was that was that was that was good times. I remember <laughs> watching that one and thinking, like, by the time it got to the end of that episode, being like, all right, they really need to to do something special with this second half of the two-parter because I don't see how this couldn't have been wrapped up in one episode. And then they did the second part and like there was that 15 minutes of the doctor giving this 
absolutely incredible speech. And I was like, well, there it is. They couldn't have fit that in the first episode with the rest of the story. I don't care what else happened. That shit was incredible. And and I, it, like I said earlier, that I think that speech was made just that much better by him saying, this is like the 15th time we've done this. So that means he's, yeah. he's convinced them 15 plus times to just say, and okay. It, <laughs> it lends a lot to the, the performance of the rest of the episode where he's like, we, we've done this already. Like, yeah. Come on, let's let's get on with it. Right, right, right. Um, and then so far, the final one that has aired, I don't even know what today's date is, uh, was Sleep No More. Um, uh-huh. Okay, I get motion sick uh-huh. watching found footage shit. Mm-hmm. So not the biggest of fans of this mm-hmm. episode visually. And what are they? Tr- what were they trying to do? Nobody knows. No one knows. That's that's the biggest problem I have with this episode is like, what the hell was the point of it? And when you put it in there with all the rest of these other great episodes that we talked about where like we loved all of them. They were all great. They had great concepts. They had great acting. The stories were all fantastic. And then this thing? Like, what the hell is this? I, it, what the hell is it? It was, I, it felt like it was an incomplete story almost. Exactly. And like the the monologue that the scientist uh, gave at the end where he was like, oh, it's, you know, just like a dream. And, you know, I'm just telling you a story to keep you asleep or whatever. Like, it seemed like it was like just, you know, this was all a dream kind of episode, which, first of all, fuck that kind of episode. Yeah. <laughs> and second of all, like, OK, so this was all a dream and, you know, we're all going to you know, wake up tomorrow and, like, this didn't really happen, then why did we have to spend a week watching it? Mm -hmm. Like, why couldn't have we seen a better story this week? There's two things that television shows do that I hate. One, action scene 72 hours earlier. Uh Hate that. God, Then the whole episode, it was only a dream. What? I hate And this episode had both of those things. Yes! (laughs) But, see, I didn't get the whole saying that it was only a dream it looked to me like he was telling you that he basically won like he he told this story so that you would watch this video um but he he didn't just tell the story he filmed this story so these things happened he made this video to tell this story to keep you watching so that you would get infected with the eye gunk thing <laughs> and then turn into eye gunk monsters in my family so like, we call that puck I don't know if what you guys call it. <laughs> I call it eye gunk, but I mean, so when it ended and Clara was, she was infected by it, and this guy basically just told everyone that you know, everyone, so so everyone who lived got away on the TARDIS, and then he's like, well, this video is out there. People are gonna see this, and I accomplished exactly what I set out to accomplish. So. And then it ends. Mm-hmm. But what was see now? I, I I found this this fascinating because my experience watching this went as such. Okay, uh, we're skipping the intro. That makes me sad. I really like the intro of Doctor Who, but I've never seen it do that before. That's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. I don't really like found footage things too much. Eye gunk monsters. Okay, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Wait a minute. Something's not right here. This is weird. This show's smarter than this. And then by the time I get to the end of the episode and everything is coming together and the, more or less coming together and the doctor is running away saying, this doesn't make any sense. Something is wrong. And I'm thinking, okay, 
this show knows that something is wrong. They're they're screwing with me intentionally and not in a Glenn is under the dumpster kind of way. <laughs> they're screwing with me intentionally to build to something. And this is something that I've missed about Doctor Who was that Doctor Who is since I've been watching it in the 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 modern stuff, the 2005 series when it was at its best was like it was like sh- stuff like Bad Wolf, you know? Mm-hmm. There'd be like this little, there'd be a thing that pops up somewhere, and it's like, boy, that's weird. There is a thing, it, but there is a on. thing there is, popping up in this. There run. is yes, there there is a thing popping up in this in this season, and that's why I'm so happy about this season okay. because ever since I, I feel like um, pr- primarily with the the Russell T Davies to Stephen Moffat flip, the, all the Stephen Moffat seasons have just been like. Build, 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 universe shattering again. event. Okay, now we're going to take things back, I swear. No, we're not. Build, 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 giant, we're going to erase existence. Time itself isn't, like, he just builds to these giant cataclysmic events over and over again. It's like, what happened to this sense of adventure that this show used to have? There used to be like, and now we're going to go off and do a thing, and there's going to be something that builds in the background instead of just, here is one giant overarching story that is so monumentally reality itself, time itself. There's, like, the ultimate of ultimates. You thought that was ultimate? This is ultimate, ultimate, ultimate. Times ten! Times a million! It's so spectacular! It's like... Just give me room to breathe. Just give me a fun TV show about science fiction and then intelligently build to something like that. And they hadn't been doing that for a while. And even though it's been very cool when they do do it, like the Pandorica and all that shit, it's phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. They've earned they they earned it each time, but always with me kind of gritting my teeth watching it. Like, you can do better than this. And I wish that they would. And especially last season... Like, I felt like the transition to Peter Capaldi was very wonky. I already didn't care for Clara, which made me sad because I wanted to like that character, but then they had no clue what to do with her past her main storyline. Mm-hmm. And now they just all of a sudden, a light switch went off on this season, and Capaldi is murdering the role. Karen said it perfectly where she said that you can see all 12 doctors in him, and it is so right. He is At ast- all times. Mm-hmm. At like- all times. He's a ast- Astonishing. It's not like, oh, well, then, you know, now I can see him do being second doctor, and now he's like fifth doctor. Like, he's all of them all the time, and like, and he bears the weight of that. Yes. In his performance the, as well. The gravity of what he's doing. And he didn't have that last season. Like, and I think it was because they were just playing on the whole, like, you know, he's, he's regenerated and he's trying to figure out what kind of a, what kind of a man he is. I got over that in like two episodes and they kept it going all season long and I was just annoyed because I wanted to like him so much and the show was stopping me from doing it every single time it just find some it was something wrong and for some reason this season they just clicked he is killing it Clara is entertaining she's amusing she's she's a perfectly good companion and the stories are while building towards something they're 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 contained enough that they're their own things now granted they're two-parters and the fact that like what Karen said that they promised that they would be one thing and they're turning into another it's not bothering me as much because I didn't know that going into it uh, to, to the extent that Karen did. But on the same token, like there's still these stories are self-contained. Like if somebody was watching this for the first time, if they watched one of these two parters, they'd be more or less okay. And I didn't hate this episode just because of the goodwill that this season has earned with me 
of being able to pay off when I don't think that they can. And the fact that it was acknowledging that this story is ridiculous and that something is wrong, like it doesn't make sense. The fact that they were acknowledging it makes me confident that they're going to they're going to pay pay it off in the end. I don't know when, I don't know how, and and just having it be this weird random one-off episode and then moving on to something else before this actually fits, before this actually contains itself, because that's what seems to be happening. The next episode doesn't seem like it's going to be related. I, I'm kind of excited about that because I want to know how this is going to pay off. I want to know how they're going to resolve whatever they just put into play because I don't even know what that is. And for me, I'm kind of excited by it. So, so we're under the assumption that this is going to be a, a two-parter as well. I'm not, I know I wouldn't say it's a two-parter. I'm personally under the assumption that this puts something into motion that they're going to explain later that when it shows up, I'm going to be like, Oh, those are my favorite moments. Those happen quite often in doctor who. They do. And, they do. And I, 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 that's very, very well, and they very well may do that. What bothers me is that they've spent this entire first half of the season saying to be continued, to be continued, to be continued. This is the first time they didn't say that, and they should have. Did, yeah. <laughs> did they actually tie together the girl who died and the woman who lived with the two beacons? They put, they did. yes, they put that title card okay. up at the end. And it's, I like. Mm. I I I don't know. I mean, when um, when did we first meet Clara? Matt um, Smith. Um, yeah, the the Dalek episode. Okay. She was inside the Dalek. Okay, because I I that's, that's right. what I was so interesting. I remembered yeah, that, and I thought I was making it up because as soon as I saw that uh, Missy was trying to get her trapped in that, a- I was like, are they tying this back all the way to there? I thought so too, yeah. And I was like, did I make that up in my head? <laughs> and they didn't really um, go back to that very much, but just as a fan to see that, you know, to see her back inside of a Dalek, but to be kind of aware of it instead of the, you know, her first appearance, she was like, I don't know where I am. Mm-hmm. And that, that, just as a fan seeing that, that was a really cool thing. Oh, uh, yeah. I made up my own, own little story. Like between the two, that she's in there so long she can't remember, and that blah 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 blah. But then she got out, and I was like, oh, <laughs> all right, she's okay. <laughs> yeah, like Missy could have done a lot of different things to get Clara to put Clara in danger, but that they chose to do that with her, and that was neat. So the last when when what did, when was the last we saw Missy? She pieced out at the end of the Dalek episode. Okay, did she pee? She got zapped, right? Well, she got... No, she got... Well, she supposedly got killed by a Dalek, but she had a um, the vortex manipulator That she used the first arm. time that she said right. she lost in the first transport. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the episode, the doctor was just like, yeah, yeah, bullshit, she'll be back. All right. <laughs> Like, yeah. really, they'll explain it. I mean, and or they won't. You they know? don't even really have <laughs> to. Like, it's kind of We're just given We're really forgiving on that, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, how did, how, ex- let's see, the last time we saw the Master before he became Missy, like, it was that special episode where he was like, didn't he, like, blow up Gallifrey or something like that, or stop Gallifrey from coming back? And, like, mm-hmm. I mean, 
he was annihilated at the end of that. Like, his very existence demolished from everything. And then he shows back up as Missy, and who cares? Because it's too cool. Um, yeah, and if you go back to classic series, and this is where I push up my glasses and become super nerd, but also my classic series knowledge comes into a little bit of helpful play here, is the Master's always done that. The Master is always like... It, there was a conceit in the classic series that a Time Lord could only regenerate 12 lives for uh, 12 times for a ter- total of 13 lives. And so when you meet the master initially in the classic series, he's like late in his regenerations and eventually he gets killed and it's supposed to be his last life. And then <gasps> what, what, what? He, he comes back somehow. And like they made up some BS thing that he came back. But who cares? The master's back. He's a great villain. We don't want him to ever go away. And every time since then that he's come back, it's always been like, oh, he made up some bullshit and he came back. Uh, I don't know, whatever. So by going by, what he does. by that logic, though, this I remember when Peter Capaldi was coming on that this was supposed to be his last regeneration because they second to last, but yes. But but I thought it was his last because they threw the the War Doctor in in in. To cover yeah, that one missing before he before he turned into Peter Capaldi in that last episode when um he called on Gallifrey to help when Matt Smith called on Gallifrey for help mm-hmm. they barfed another twelve regenerations out of him. Oh. got himself a fresh set of regenerations. I didn't remember yeah, it, that part because he's, when when he is being siphoned by the um by the Daleks to mm-hmm. and then that whole sewer thing I was like wait how I can't I didn't remember like I thought he's out of the juice. Like, how he was done. Like, how does he still have that regenerative property? No, basically, a wizard did it. Uh, it doesn't matter. He, <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> he he punched a block, got a free mushroom, and moved exactly. on. Exactly. Got it. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so far, I'm really enjoying the whole season. I, I it, There's been so many bits and pieces that I was like, oh, man, that was really awesome. Very, very few. Like, eh. And there's not been a single point where I was like, oh, that was horrible. So... No, and I think uh, between what I wrote for the site and the way I've talked about it, that Chris, <laughs> among other people, might think that I hated this last episode, and I didn't. It's still Doctor Who. It's not great. It, it wasn't great Doctor Who, but uh, it's pretty good. And the whole the whole this season, series nine, has been outstanding. Yeah, it's. I think the thing that's most bothersome about this is that it it did not hold up to the standards that this season is set so far because. This season has just been nailing it. They've just been nailing it. And um, this this episode really reminded me of um, I don't I don't remember what season it was or which doctor it was, but they were underground um, in in like a cavern of sorts fighting the um, the angels. Mm. Do you remember that? This season? No, 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 no. This was a couple of, a previous doctor. I want to say okay. it was the last one, but I'm not 110 on that. It was uh, Matt Smith and. Um, River showed back up or something, right? Yes. And they were yeah. like in that giant cave system and the, yeah, yeah. constantly yeah, no, on sure. the run, you know, looking behind. Like it just, it felt very reminiscent of that. Um, and I don't, I did, I do not like found footage. I did note, no. I did note that when they, they kept switching cameras, and I'm like, the doctor doesn't have a camera; it's coming out of his eyes. That's Clara's view. Why are we seeing that like that? Because I was kind of hoping I'd get like steady cam when when they those we were looking from them, and they did comment on it, you know, 
later on. Yeah, so. a lot of those things I, I saw coming, like the, the fact that Clara got pulled into the sleep pod and then later, like, she had the same, you know, camera vision as everybody else in the episode. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I do like okay. the little, every once in a while they do, like, a, a tie-in for why shit's going wrong, like um, the, the, the lake one, the, the flood, that mm-hmm. everybody who read the... The, the scratch marks in the side of this ship mm-hmm. they became oh, yeah, the be- like and just the one guy i was like why isn't what oh okay i see what you did there nice yeah i think that was a much clever way cleverer way of doing that than than what they did in this episode yes but like i i think i i almost feel like that's intentional like the fact that this is that story that we've seen on doctor who a ton of times where he shows up somewhere um and then there's a you know, there's a bunch of mercenaries and there's the big dumb one and here's the smart one and then he outsmarts everyone shows him how smart he is to take control of the situation like it played out like countless episodes we've seen before like very cookie cutter mm-hmm. and at first I looked at it like that's this is I can't believe they're doing this like this is really lazy and then by the end of it I'm like they're doing this on purpose I, I don't know if I'm giving him too much credit but if I am, I'm going to be very disappointed if I'm if if my suspicions are right and that this was all very intentional. I think it's pretty clever. But well, you know, we'll see. This was, if I'm not mistaken, written by Mark Gatiss, who is, uh, you know, was one of the more prominent new series writers. And uh, <laughs> he deserves a lot of credit. He deserves, you know, a lot of faith to to. Uh, say whatever he's done he's done intentionally and he has a reason and whatever and uh, and so i'm i'm standing back here i'm I'm, I'm ready to i'm ready to believe it but you got to show it to me because i didn't see it i'm I'm looking back at his previous ones and the newer like it was sleep no more robots of robot of sherwood i wasn't a big fan of that episode that was hysterical yeah that was funny that was just fun crimson horror cold war night terrors Victory of the Daleks, the Idiot's Lantern, and the Unquieted Dead. Those are the eight or so that he has written. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, I guess he's 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 one of the stable writers. So that we, I, he, yes, he deserves credit and our hopes and dreams that this will come to some fruition at some point in time. It's also worth mentioning that he's uh, he, him and his buddy Stephen Moffat co-create another another fabulous BBC show called Sherlock. Yes. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe maybe isn't he in Mark Sherlock G- also? Yes, he's yeah, Mycroft. Mycroft. We have to talk about that on this At show. At some point eventually. in time, we will. Yes. Uh, a podcast for another podcast. Uh, um, but uh, it's possible that Mark Gatiss is just allowed to do whatever he wants on Doctor Who because him and Stephen Moffat are like. Bros. Buddies. It's possible. Bros. British bros. Um, I have to make comment that one of my favoriteest things happened I've in, in season nine where it's one of the lake episodes where they go back to before it flooded and it's the badass broad and the squirrely scientist guy go back in time with, with the doctor. Do we recall mm-hmm. this? And yes. he walks away. She's like, oh, I have something in my boot. And he, the doctor walks away. And she's like, it's, and she starts hopping down, and the glee yes. and joy that she has on her face as she's saying, "It's bigger on the inside. It's bigger on the inside." Oh, 
Okay. There have been there have been a couple of instances this season of like people who are a fan of the doctor getting to like hang out with the doctor. They did that with Osgood too, where she's like, "I know everything about you." I, I, I always like. You used to wear yeah. question mark uh, yeah, question marks all the time, and now they're on my underpants. <laughs> that <laughs> leads me. What the question is? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> was great there's also when you said about um him being all 12 doctors at the same time there is a lot of easter eggs in the series for in this excuse me the british call it each season a series so sometimes i say oh. series when i mean season all right we get it <laughs> there uh, shut up <laughs> there have been a lot of easter eggs in this season for classic series fans where capaldi st- spits out these lines that like if you're not paying attention whatever it's just some techno babble or something that he said and it doesn't really have much meaning but like that's a thing that the third doctor used to say all the time oh my god reverse the polarity of the neutron flow i actually uh, i i when i read that in one of her articles i looked up there's a youtube super cut of all the super times cut of all of that and it's so great awesome we, can, can we put a link to that in the show notes we have yeah, to it's yeah, amazing has, has he always been playing the guitar no, that's new this, in this season, uh, too. And last question, how do we feel about the Sonic sunglasses? I'm for them. Okay. That's Me too, fantastic. I think it's awesome. Okay. It fits his personality yes, it so does. well. Okay. There's, it, there's backlash on the internet about, oh, it's not a screwdriver anymore. Well, whatever. He didn't used to have a screwdriver at all, and now he has yeah, wasn't the else. second one's a flute? And now he got yeah. a, a fantastic deal with Ray-Ban, so let them make their money. <laughs> And he looks cool. This doctor is kind of a rock star, so you know why not? He's throwing himself his death time, party. <laughs> I, I have to say that one of the things I've noticed and I really like about him this season is that, the, like, not only is he acting the part so well, they're they're dressing him more the part. Because when yeah. he first showed up, it was a really slick outfit, and now it's like he still has that really awesome coat. But he's wearing like the kind of goofy old man baggy plaid pants, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. like he's got a real sense of whimsy to his outfit now, which is like it makes me feel like they're really crossing old doctor with new doctor. So he's it's... still sharp dressed, but at the same time, kind of mismatchy, crazy old man dressed. So... It's like he's wearing all twelve outfits at the same time too. <laughs> well, and I think fortunately not that giant bright colored one, um... and, and not. The, uh, not in the way that Joey did it on Friends, where he wore all of Chandler's clothes. <laughs> Going <laughs> not commando. Any lunges. <laughs> um, and I think I think they did that purposefully, be, or Peter Capal- They couldn't pull that, you know, attire out with a younger doctor. True. Okay, true. so this, you know, Peter is is perfect for this role the way they are portraying him. I don't think he could go, Matt Smith you know, crazy, for lack of a better term. You, it, there's a sense of gravitas with his performance, and it's, he's doing a, a perfect job. So, Agreed. With, with little, like, slivers of glee mm-hmm. yeah. mixed in. I do like the fact that he keeps saying, I have the burden of concern. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, can I stop now? Like, that's great. Okay. Yeah, I see what there's, you're doing. A lot of, there's a lot of themes going on with him. There's the burden of care. There's, you know, he keeps running into things that, you know, turn out to be hybrids of two different things. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of interesting things going on. And I want to see where they're going with it and what they're going to pick up and run with. Oh, knowing, knowing the doctor, it's going to be all of them. And they're all going to come to fruition in some way, shape or form. I have faith. 
All righty. I think that I think that wraps up for our, our love of the doctor, us, us spewing out our Whovianism as much as we possibly can. <laughs> I mean, I could go on. I, I know, but we give you an article and have, for that. And will again. <laughs> um, Chris, do you know something about the Internet? I know a few things about the internets. For example, uh, you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at Geekade. You can subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content. And you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I am at Geekade Chris. That's Geekade K-R-I-S. Evan is available at Geekade underscore Evan. And Karen is available at shoot underscore the underscore moon. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed tonight, be sure to check out the show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes or whatever have you that gives you your podcast goodness. Or if you're super nice, you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com where we post something new every single day except on Sundays because we're tired. (laughs) This is very true. Some of us are tired on Saturday as well. All right, that wraps it up for this week's episode of this week's episode. Uh, Thank you all for enjoying the television that we spew at you. As always, from all of us here, at Geekade, at Geekade, at this week's episode featured on Geekade, I am Evan Goldstein. We're pointing to each other. I'm Chris Randazzo. And I'm Dan Ryan. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Good evening. <Who's> <laughs> Jesus Christ, honey. Man, spotless. <laughs> it's, it's almost as if there's a camera on me. I, I like I almost went for it like twice, and I was like, no, he's not. He's not ready. Yet. He's not ready yet. Take my moment. <laughs> I right, you. And this concludes our broadcast day.